that's all we dream big That's all we take with us and the things we did Dream big, yeah She dream big, yeah That's what my papa said Dream big, mama told me dream big Hello, my name is Matthew Pfeiffer with MattPfeifferCoach.com. Welcome to my channel. On this channel, I create videos and content about toxic, narcissistically abusive relationships and self-development. And if that's something that you're interested in, make sure you hit the subscribe notification and the bell notification so you're notified each and every time I upload a new video. I upload new videos on this channel five days a week, Monday through Friday. And if you need more help than what this video can provide, this video on this channel is sponsored by BetterHelp. Make sure you connect with an online therapist through BetterHelp. You can connect with someone a lot faster. Oftentimes, it's a lot more affordable. And the best part of it, about it is that when you go to the link down below, you'll get 15% off your first month with your online therapist. With all that being said, let's get into today's topic. So today, we are talking about trauma bonds. And so if you have ever experienced anything with a narcissist or if you have followed narcissism content or if you followed my content, you hear a lot about trauma bonds. And first of all, what, is, what the hell is a trauma bond? You hear, one of the things I, I don't allow for people to do that I work with is just to toss around terminology when they don't really know what the true definitions of the, of the terminology is. So we have to understand that a trauma bond is an unhealthy attachment in the presence of danger, shame, or exploitation. And if you think about what a narcissist does, right, there's a lot of shame, there's a lot of exploitation, and there's a lot of danger present when you're with someone who's narcissistic now. The problem is that we also remember one of the things you hear me talking about so often is that we have to be aware of our unhealthy attachment, self-awareness, that it's an unhealthy attachment, but also in the presence of shame, exploitation, and danger. So your unhealthy attachment, you want to attach to people, even though that person is causing harm and causing conflict and is abusive, manipulative, and controlling. And we also have to understand that the relationship when we're talking about a trauma bond does not have to be romantic. That's a common misconception that a lot of people have. Uh, a trauma bond can be very, pre can be very present uh, in a workplace. It can be very present in a church. It can be very present with family members. There's a lot of people I've worked with that have been trauma to a parent, to a mom, to a father, to a sibling. And so it's important for us to understand that because when we see that, we might start to recognize that we're actually trauma bonded with a couple of different people that might be in our life. So number one, when we're talking about a trauma bond, the relationship has extreme highs and also extreme lows. I'm going to talk in the context of a romantic relationship, but you can kind of change the dynamics to whatever type of situation that you might be trauma bonded in. You experience some extreme highs by going on vacation or great sex and great dates. And at the same time, you're ex experiencing some extreme, extreme lows with the abuse and with the control, with the manipulation, with the name calling. And one of the things that happens through this, through this process of the extreme highs and the extreme lows, you start to feel like you are walking on eggshells. And you hear people talk about this so often, this, this experience of walking on eggshells, and that's cognitive distance. And we'll talk about that in another video. One of the things that we have to understand about the extreme highs and the extreme lows is that, that when we experience that, you as the codependent oftentimes think that you are the one to blame, that you have the ability to fix their bad day. The perception is, is that maybe they're just having a bad day not realizing that there's a whole cycle of abuse that's happening. Because one of the things, and when again, once again, even when, when you're with a narcissist, if we lack self-awareness, then we won't completely understand this. 
that the codependent feels that they need to fix everything and they feel like they are responsible for everybody's happiness. We're going to be talking about that here shortly. And what happens is that when they're having a bad day, when you're having extreme lows, you get addicted. And so instead of you realizing that maybe you need to walk away from this, you end up trying to fix this because your self-worth and your value comes from you trying to fix other people. So sign number two is that they betray you quite often, right? That can, that can come in the form of them cheating, of infidelity. Uh, and you start to notice that you continuously give them chance after chance after chance, no matter what, because of a handful of reasons. Number one, because you feel like your self-worth and your value is wrapped up in this relationship. So you find yourself repeatedly sacrificing yourself to try to keep this relationship alive, trying to sacrifice your own happiness. A lot of people who I talk to sacrifice careers, sacrifice going back to school, sacrifice things that they really actually enjoy. For some people, they've actually sacrificed children in terms of uh, in terms of leaving their children with their ex or the relationship with their children, the bond they've had with their children um, to try to repair things with someone that is unhealthy. And oftentimes they regain trust, the person, the toxic person, the narcissist, regains trust by giving you being ignorance. It can come in the form of them making promises that they have no intentions on keeping. And the problem with this is that this oftentimes feel, has you feeling empty, has you feeling worthless, because you know internally that they're going to do this again. And so this leaves you feeling very stressed very anxious about the relationship as well. Sign number three is that you feel responsible for their emotions. You feel responsible for their, for their happiness. You feel responsible when they're sad, when they're upset, when they're angry. You think that it is your job to solve and to fix them. And so you are willing to sacrifice everything to make the relationship work because you think that that is your responsibility and it is not. And oftentimes, and for some people who are watching this, the relationship for you may already be over. You may be co-parenting co -parenting with them. The, the relationship may be over and you still feel this way. I see people struggling with this a lot, a lot with co-parenting and through the divorce process to a point where you are overextending yourself to try to try to, to try to please this person. The problem is, is that they are never, ever, ever going to be pleased with you or be excited or anything. And the reason for that is because they understand that their power and their control comes from them uh, creating a narrative that they are not satisfied with you. And so what happens? You feel like you need to overextend yourself to try to please yourself. And that's where their power and control oftentimes comes, comes from. And if we continue down this path, what happens is that you, you eventually begin to lose a sense of your own self. How many of you have left a relationship like this? And after the relationship was over, you started to say that you didn't even know who you were. For people who have broken up or gone through a divorce with a narcissist, they oftentimes feel like they, they don't even know who they are. They feel like they uh, don't have a good sense of self. They don't. A lot of times people struggle with things, simple things, simple tasks like uh, what do they want for lunch? Uh, what do they want to, where do they want to go for vacation? And making simple decisions because they're so used to Dis making decisions based on what other people want from them and what they think or what their perception is. And that's where a lot of the people-pleasing people pleasing behavior and tendencies come from. Sign number four is, is the relationship is very complex and involves a lot of future faking. 
that they are telling you a lot of things that you want to hear, that you, when we talked about this earlier, that you want to hear, um, but that they never follow through with any of it. Right? I, I promise things will change. Things are going to be different. I'll never hit you again. I'm never going to talk to that person again. Uh, yeah, I know I cheated, but it's never going to happen again. But the false promises, here's the problem. Here's a, a big, if there's one takeaway that you take away from this, is that the false promises when it comes to a trauma bond strengthens the trauma bond because it's the false hope that you have in this person that keeps you bonded with this person because you're holding on to, even if it's a 1% chance that they possibly could change. That's one of the main questions that I get from people. Can narcissists change? The answer to that is no. However, oftentimes people hold on to those false promises for so long because, because oftentimes the codependent also doesn't want to change either. They don't want to make the difficult decisions. They don't want to be the bad guy in the story or in the relationship or in the breakup. And so oftentimes they will hold on to those false promises thinking that hopefully one day they'll, they'll change. But internally, you know that that's not true. Number five is that you find yourself defending the relationship. You find yourself trying to convince your friends and trying to convince your family that they didn't mean it. When your friends and your family come to you and they say things like, your person is abusive. They're, they're an asshole. They're, they're, I don't like the way that they treat you. I don't like the way that they treat the children or whatever the case is. You might say things. You might have a lot of ready-made excuses. They just had a bad day. They, this is not how they are all the time. You should see them when they're out on dates. And even though you internally know that they're right, and there's a reason why people do this when it comes to a trauma bond, the reason why people do this is that they know that if they admit that there is a problem, that what happens is that now there's going to be a lot of internal and external pressure for you to make a decision for you to leave and to do what's in your own best interest. And also, if you admit that there is a problem and that this relationship is abusive to your friends and your family, what happens is that there's a lot of shame and guilt because then the next step from that part is why do you put up with that? You should just leave. And oftentimes this makes the codependent uh, and the person who's the victim of narcissistic abuse feel a lot of guilt and feel a lot of shame. And so you, and so rather than you processing those feelings and processing those emotions, you would much rather have the excuses and lie to your friends, lie to your family and tell them and try to convince them that everything is okay. And that they just don't understand the relationship. The number six sign is that it feels like it's impossible to leave. And the, a lot of the reason why it feels like it's impossible to leave the relationship. And a lot of people, even after they have left the relationship, a, a lot of times they want to go back because it feels so comfortable in a very strange way. It feels very comfortable to stay in the relationship because you've been in it for so long. Oftentimes you may have grown up in a very chaotic environment. So you're already used to the mistreatment from other people. And so what happens is that even when you do break up, go through a divorce process or any sort of separation, you start to notice that you miss them in an unhealthy way. You start noticing that you start your stock in their social media. Oftentimes, this is a lot of the reason why people ask the question, am I the narcissist? Am I the problem? Why am I doing this? Why am I driving past their house? Why am I stalking the narcissist even though they have mistreated me? And the reason why this is something that's not talked about enough when it comes to a trauma bond, the reason why is because you are struggling with an addiction. 
And I literally mean that. For those of you who may not have followed me for a long time, I used to be a substance use therapist and a trauma bond. And uh, when you're dealing with, with any type of toxic relationship, it's the same part of the brain that functions with not just any addiction, but with heroin addiction. And the same process that someone who struggles with an heroin addiction goes through with, with the withdrawal. And the, they oftentimes when they feel like when they start to get sick because of the withdrawal symptoms, they think that the heroin is the only thing that is going to make them feel better. And it's going to relieve them of the sweats, the, the pain, the sleepless nights, the insomnia. They think that the heroin is the only thing that's going to be able to relieve them of that type of pain. It's not true, but the same process goes with you when you begin to separate from that person. You begin to miss them in, un in an unhealthy way. And you think that the only way for you to be able to solve that pain is for you to see them one, time, one more time, for you to have closure. You hear people say that all the time. Well, as long as I get the closure that I need, how come, he, how come this person won't provide closure? How come this person won't talk to me? How come they're not calling me? How come, or why are they over calling me? Why are they calling me, but they still won't change? And you have so many different questions because you're waiting for that person to relieve you of that pain, even if that pain is more emotional. Problem is, is that oftentimes it is not going to happen. And what happens through this process is that the emotional attachment, the manipulation, the blind trust, and the denial makes you blind to how destructive this relationship actually is and actually was. So if you feel like you're going through this type of, uh, if going through a trauma bond of this nature, some of the ways that you can relieve yourself now, I want to be very, very clear. It is going to take some time for this trauma bond to break. But number one, by far and away, you have to go no contact or low contact. You have to reduce the amount. If you share children, you need to go low contact. You need to reduce the amount of time that you're seeing this person, talking to this person. If you don't share children, you need to go completely no contact. The reason why, just like we were talking about before, if someone were struggling with a heroin addiction, guess what? We have to stop the, the actual use first you continuously continuously talking to this person hanging out with this person going to their house sleeping with them whatever the case is what happens is that you're going to stay stuck in that addiction because you're still using so to speak just the same way that someone is struggling with uh and with some form of substance use we also need to be very patient with yourself it's going to take some time you're going to have some highs. You're going to have some lows. You're going to question yourself. You're going to wonder if you're a narcissist. You're going to wonder why you're missing them. And so you need to be patient with yourself. It's going to take some time. Understand that there's more than meets the eye. And understand that this is not a normal breakup. This is not a normal divorce. This is more along the lines of an addiction. And so we, at times, have to be okay with not being okay. This is not going to be a simple process. And for that, and for the last thing that I want to say is that we need to journal. Last two things I should say. We need to journal to take notes. We need to write down all the reasons why we left to begin with because we're going to start to question ourselves. This is a mindfulness practice that we can use that helps in that type of situation. But it's also important that we connect with a support group. I have several. Uh, you can go down to the links down below. You can connect with, uh, I have some support groups that are free, some that, that cost money. Um, but it's important for you to connect with other people who have been through this, who understand this, who can talk to you about this. I always tell people that you need three people. You need someone above you who is pulling you up 
who's been there and done that and is pulling you up to their level, someone who is right alongside with you, that is cheering you on and rooting for you, and then other people that, because you can get a lot of healing when you're pulling other people up and you're able to help them avoid certain pitfalls that maybe you've experienced before as well. And so thank you guys very much for tuning in. Make sure that if you need more help than what this video provides, if you feel like you need a therapist, make sure you go down to the links below, connect with a, a therapist through BetterHelp. You can connect with someone like that faster. You can do it in the safety and the comfort and the convenience of your home. And when you use the links down below, you'll get 15% off your first month. Thank you guys very much, and I will see you guys in the next video.